So my drinking got out of control when I got money. And then. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the clip. That's the clip. When you fucking advertise this podcast, that is the clip. That's it. That was fucking perfect. (laughs) That can happen. Hey, welcome back to Hot Boxing. I'm Jeremy Piven. And I'm Mike Tyson. And we are honored to have the great Bill Burr here with us Brother tonight, Burr. smoking a Cuban, living That's his right. dream. This is the greatest. This is the most cameras I've ever seen on a podcast in my life. <laughs> and you've got, got you've more got, cameras than people. You've got your own podcast. You're a big shot. I know, but I do it. Uh, I do it like I just have like a uh, little mixer and a, I don't do it like this. Where you from, Bill? I grew up outside of uh, Boston. Yeah, what Safe part? suburbs. Yeah. Super white, cul-de-sacs, street hockey, can't mess. Fuck, I'm Whitey Bulger, baby. Yeah. No, see, that was in town. Yeah. That's what, oh, wait, what all, all the places, all the places where they, they make the movies. Uh, I was not from there. Okay, I wasn't okay, from there. All of those, okay, okay. all of that stuff that they've made, all these great Boston movies, I, I was in the safe suburbs, so okay. yeah. Mike was asking me your breakthrough, and obviously everyone's got a different take on it. For me, as an outsider, it's when you got up in Philly, and it wasn't going well, and it was kind of a massive tailgating yeah, it party. Going that well, yeah. And there were great, you know, great comics that were up before you, and they weren't doing well. And you just decided to call this audience out in a rant that is no, legendary. That's the myth. That's the myth of what happened. What, ha- what really happened was the first guy went up, and he got booed. But it was the summertime, and it was like a, uh, an amphitheater. So it, there was like seats and then like lawn seats. It was right outside of Philly. And the first guy went up, and I don't know, say the place holds 5,000 people. There was maybe 400 sitting down. And then there was another like 200 just milling around. Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay, here's your first guy. And he just walked out there like, what the fuck? So he got booed. Then it was sort of like the tone was kind of set. But everybody was doing okay but wasn't having a good, good time because you saw the first guy get booed. So it's just like, oh, this is an option. So then like two, three hours after that, that's when I went on. And it was after a break. And um, I can't remember. It was so long ago. It was hot. They, they, they showed w- some fucking weird video of a guy who had pus coming out of his ears and some guy ate it and this other guy puked. And then they started the fucking show back up again. It was gross. And I, I, I don't even remember. I think Bobby went up and did good, and then Dom got booed a little bit, and then I went on, and, uh, you know, my first joke, I fucked it up, and that's why I started to get booed, and then I snapped. But all of that shit of, like, you know, I was like, I was going to go out there and tell these people to go fuck themselves. That didn't happen. I went out there. I was trying to have a good set. Yeah. I was trying to have a good set. It didn't happen. <laughs> what is it that you believe that you believe makes you different? Oh. I don't know. And I would be afraid to analyze that. Because if I did, then I would think that I would be thinking about that rather than just reacting to whatever was in front of me or saying what I wanted to say. I've got information that you're a conspiracy man. I am, but I also am like oddly, uh, it depends on the conspiracy. Will you tell me one of yours? Okay. Uh, anything with has to do with bankers that it's just like, like, if you started a Ponzi scheme or I started or you started a Ponzi scheme, we're going to jail. Uh-huh. But those guys' Ponzi scheme gets to continue on and on and on, and every time it, it shits the bed, 
and everybody loses everything. They do that shit. We're just too big to fail. Um, I know it's been a while since I got into it because I kind of became that guy that was bumming everybody out. So you don't know you're not bumming me. I'm so, so how do you feel about the banks? What do you think? I don't, I don't think I'm smart enough to really understand it. I, what, I don't get why, like, why does it have to be gold behind our money? Why does it have to have value? As long as I respect $20 and you respect $20, why can't this just be magical paper? Like, why does there have to be something behind it? It's all about control, brother. If you're a conspiracy junkie, you know it's all about control. It's all about getting the most you can out of them and giving them the less they deserve. It's all about slavery. And it has nothing to do with um, economics or color, but it's just, that's what it is. So you think you it's all want. about slavery? So then you would then they work it in racially, like no, you don't no. think it's like an airline with like sky miles? No, um, how they have group one, group two, group three. I think that we're all diamond medallion. No, we're all slaves to something. We're all slaves to something. Some money, some I'm religion. A, I'm a slave to these fucking things. Yeah. <laughs> some cigarettes, some cocaine. We're all slaves. Yeah, we're all initiative. We're born slaves. We all have slave characteristics. That makes us slaves. It's uplifting. <laughs> but 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 Mike, you used to have that because you were taken advantage of, and you've evolved, and it's a different game for you now. I agree that you know, I do agree that, but that's not that doesn't mean it's over for everyone else. No, I only succeed when I help other people succeed. Right. If I'm the only one to succeed, then I'm a failure. And now, how long did it take you? To figure that out, like, did, is that something you, you felt you always knew, or did you... No fucking as, way. No right. way. No fucking So when did, way. when did you, like, when did that light come on? Like, I know around three years ago, my wife inspired me to liberate myself from myself, pretty much. How long was that conversation? That's, that's <laughs> amazing. No, that's amazing, because no, I'm, trying, I'm um, trying to let go a lot of shit myself. Um, you can do it whenever you want to. That's one thing that's interesting about life. You can change your mind and change who you want to be whenever you want. Because my thing is, what gets me is this. My, my, my life's work is my temper. And I, I come but from he, a rage family <laughs> tree. But uh, he's right? figured out how to navigate that artistically. That's and it. it's a little different than most. Yeah, I'm talking them. about real life, like being not just up on stage, like at home. Like I don't want to be flipping out. Like I don't want my kids to be scared of me the way I was scared of my dad. So my kids aren't scared of me, which is the <laughs> the success so far. But like I uh, I figured out because I came from the sit down and shut the fuck up. That's how adults talk to you? Yes. 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 Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get them to be seen and not hurt, okay? Yeah. So I from think that background. when shit does, starts to not go my way, I feel like no one's going to hear me. It's embarrassing to say this out loud. I'm 52. Nomism. They call it nomism. What is that? When you feel nothing. You feel like you're not heard. Yeah. So that can be literally trying to figure out the operating system on my phone or like... My wife, if I say, hey, man, we got to be there by 2 or 3 o'clock, and we get there at, like, you know, 10 past 3, there's a thing. I don't know. It just, like. You need some emotional training. You know I, I, mean? dude, I need a lot. <laughs> you need some <laughs> it's, emotional, it's intelligent training. 
You well, know, I just went back to the book that said emotional yeah. intelligence Good. for people just like that. And that's, you know, slaves to their emotions. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I used to be one of those people. Well, that's Everybody a great was way of my enemy it. but me. If you're a business owner like myself, you don't need us to tell you that running a business is tough. But you might be making it harder on yourself than necessary. Don't let QuickBooks and spreadsheets slow you down anymore. It's time to upgrade to NetSuite. Stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it. Ditch the spreadsheet and all the old software you've outgrown. Now is the time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control over your financials, HR inventory, e-comments, and more. Everything you need, all in one piece, instantaneously. Whether you're doing millions or hundreds of millions in revenue, save time and money with NetSuite. Let NetSuite show you how to benefit your business with a free product tour at NetSuite.com slash Tyson. Schedule free product tour right now at NetSuite.com slash Tyson. NetSuite.com slash Tyson. Join the over 24,000 companies using NetSuite right now. Life is interesting being um, a conspiracy theory. Okay, I got a conspiracy for you. All right, go for it. I think that water in nature is the toxic waste left over from the last people that fucked this shit up. And then we grew out of it. And to us, it's, it's delicious. Water's delicious. And, I, then, I, 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 and then I think once we're dead and all, we're all gone, I think the next people are going to be eating plastic you know, like like it's apples, and it's going to be delicious to them. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of holes in that, but there seems to be a couple of holes in the nutritional value of plastic. No, yeah. but that's people. That, mean, though. that, that means you. That okay. means you, they'll live off the nuclear waste and all of that. Mr. Okay. So that I know you don't believe me. I no, saw no. it on your eyebrow. You, you see how his eyebrow went up a- like that? Are you an atheist? <laughs> Do I know what? Are you an atheist? Does that mean I don't believe in a higher power? Well, that's what you, you're speaking as if you don't believe in God. I don't know about no higher power. I am confused God. with that right now in my life. Yeah, why is that? Because is I, don't, I, think I, I don't understand why God doesn't take credit for his work. Hmm. Like, why does he make sociopaths and then punish them? Who said he punished them? Well, going to hell and all of that shit. I'm Catholic. I, what what I did know. they tell you? What did um, you grow up? Listen, I used to be a Catholic. But listen, I'm holding my buttons and I go past the graveyard and all that crap. But um, when you really look at the expert, what do you really think about God? Forget your religion. What do you think about him? How are the elements of what it is? I don't think he's mad. And I don't think he get judged for what you did. I so, don't. So he tells you, do you think you're navigating your life now? You think he has nothing to do with you being here, you being the funny man that you are? Yeah, see, that's the thing, because I feel that, like, if I do good things, good things happen. There's definitely these laws. See, my thing about religion is I think that people came up because they couldn't explain how we got here. So I think everybody has these theories that turned into religion, and then there's elements... It's like if you're a conspiracy theory, you got enough conspiracy, one of them has got some truth in it. But, like, I think all religions are inherently flawed because they were made by people who are alive. So they don't know the biggest answer, which is what happens to you after you die. So that's, like, the biggest guessing game. And I needed a whole new reprogramming. 
So what I wanted to do was uh, I went the entire the other way. This is all bullshit. People made it up. You die, you go into the ground. I went through that. And now since then I had kids. It's just, you know, there's no way to describe it unless you had a kid. Then I'm just like, there's got to be something. There's something beyond this. There's, there's something. There is something beautiful behind all of this control. Of um, so what are you talking about? The Wizard of Oz? Yeah, that's not like the Wizard of Oz. There's something behind. Yeah, but, but right, that's not like the Wizard but, of Oz. There's yeah. something behind. Pull the it. curtain. Meet the wizard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like this. Yeah, like but don't you? But but religion is inherently that too. <laughs> huh? There's this guy. He's watching you. He's oh, hanging listen, out. But check this out. I know religion has its flaws. I'm I'm, I'm with you 100. percent Okay. But how do you think we would be without it? You think we would be better off? Really, really, you think? Imagine us thinking. No, for I, I don't think. I don't think you, you need to go all the way the other way. Where now there's no judgment and blah blah blah. The oh. bullshit that I'm <laughs> was at. I think that uh, if there was a um, no, no. Since a, since you think it's so bad, just say what do you think? It should be no religion. No, I'm no, no. I don't think that. I think oh, that, it shouldn't be no Catholic religion. No, it's like you're looking at an old house that needs to be redone. You don't need to tear it down. You just need to to upgrade it. What about spirituality, Mike? There's spirituality, your connection with God, without being in any one of these religions. I don't know. Spirituality, but spirituality comes from religion pretty much. It doesn't have to. You know? You you know? So So you're dictating your own show then. All of my, all these rules are my rules now. So I'm spirituality. So I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm a prophet of some God. Since I'm going through a spiritual perspective, and it's my spiritual perspective, why don't I write a few lines in the book or something? Matter of fact, why don't I make up my own book? People have made up their own book. Yeah, but, but it's, uh, I'm sitting over here. I'm the Jewish guy. Uh-huh. Um, I knew it. You knew it. He smelled the Jew. Uh-huh. <laughs> the ginger smelled the Jew. It's a children's marriage joke. I'm fucking with it. (laughs) (laughs) Breaking balls. I miss it. Yeah. I mean, like, looking at you, your last special from an outsider, you're crushing it. You're saying, you're fearless, saying whatever, saying what you want to say. And at the end of all that, and you're in London, um, and you're relating to a culture that you don't necessarily have a great reference for mm-hmm. because you didn't grow up there. Um, and at the very end, you're there with your kid, and this will sound like I'm I'm not kissing your ass. I'm just being honest. But there's okay. so, there's something about it that really struck me at the very end with the credits, and you're there with your kid, and it's that silhouette of you guys in the back. Oh, yeah, kid. Royal Albert Hall. Yeah, it was. It, it looked like someone. I don't want to say who has it all, but you had figured some stuff out. No, I did. I did. I did. No, I definitely figured stuff out. That's why I'm trying to figure out how to come back to a higher power thing, trying to figure out my temper and all of that. I mean, I, I just there's something wrong with you if you have a kid and it doesn't change you. It doesn't make you look at yourself and be like, well, I, I got a lot to work on. Because, um, you know, there was a lot of stuff I didn't like about myself. And then when I had a kid, I was like, oh, oh my God. Your kid. I feel like, yeah, I'm contagious. And you think, no, no, <laughs> no. like, no, I don't want to, no, I don't want to pass don't, this shit. You don't think you could take, you thought you could hide something. You know? No. We like, no, we like secrets. I have a temper, man. You can't hide that. Like if I was, you oh, know. No, no, we're not hiding your temper. We're hiding the cause of the temper. Well, if I could 
I'm trying to figure out what is the cause of it. Oh, I'm trying you know the cause of it, brother. Oh, don't start that. Why am I mad? Why? I know you know why you mad. Why are you mad? Who hurt you? Oh, that, yeah, but that's what I just figured out. Oh. But for years when I would yell at my phone, I thought I hated technology. <laughs> oh, this guy's It has clever. nothing to do with your phone. No, He's I'm serious. I'm, not, I'm, being, I'm being totally honest. That's no, you're not. You silly dude. No, you know what it is? <laughs> <laughs> no, the thing is, is you're more evolved. You've worked on yourself more. So you think I'm where you're at. I'm not. So I'm learning shit from you right now. I'm not trying to be clever. I'm being totally no. honest. Like, I, you know how many times I've said that? I no. fucking hate technology. Technology kept me alive. I had a ruptured appendix. I don't hate technology. I just get frustrated with shit. And I have this. You had, no, this is what you hate. You hate this phone. It's an aggressive therapy session. You hate, you, you hate this phone. You don't hate technology. You just hate this phone. Okay, this phone. It's too light out. It's the afternoon to go into my yeah. demons here. <laughs> Smoking let's, a cigar, let's, man. I feel like this is my last cigar Let's Sigmund Freud him, man. Let's Sigmund yeah, Freud him. fuck, man. I don't know if we should drag him into deep water. Yeah, I see. I mean, this, yeah. this is a good cop over here. You're pivoting over here like, hey, I saw your uh, special. I really enjoyed uh, it. And you're like, you know why you're angry, motherfucker. <laughs> it's just like, Jesus Christ. I want to fucking sit here and smoke a cigar, Mike. Oh my god Oh my god Bill you know that Mike had a one man show Did you know that? I loved it Okay What'd you, what'd you, love, what'd you love about it? There was a couple things that, that really struck me As performance and a sports fan Where you were talking about You were in a fight I think it was Holyfield And you, you were getting hit by this guy, and you said I was maybe this maybe this was an interview. I've watched so much of your stuff, but I think it was the one man show. No, I think it was an interview. You were, you said you were going. I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? And I thought that was so amazing that you would think that. I would be thinking like, oh my god, end this, get me out of here. I don't want to be here. And you're just thinking like, what the fuck is going on right now? Why is he hitting me and I'm not hitting him? That you could be that clear. In the middle of that, when you have a world-class athlete in front of you, teeing off on you, trying to knock you out, that you could be relaxed enough to think, what that's the what fuck? That's what fighting is about. That's what acting and fighting is about. That's what you... It's all about relaxation. The most relaxed actor is the best actor. The most relaxed fighter at that moment is the best true. fighter. That's yeah. true. And, and then the story you told, and I remember when that happened, was somehow you ran into the dude you were going to fight before you fought him. And you punched him in the head, and he's somehow running after the limo or something like that. Like, I heard the full story of that. Yeah, oh, my God. Like, that to me was like, it made, when I watched it, it reminded me of, like, Charlie Murphy had stories like that, where it was just like, (laughs) he just like, this can't be real, but the details, you know it's true. Listen, Mm -hmm. right? I didn't want, listen. When I was fighting the screen, right, this guy, he was on Angel Dust. And I was and I was wondering why I was hitting this guy, and he and he was really he was like moving, but he wouldn't hit the ground. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? My hand is hurting like right. a motherfucker. Right. And um, you tase him. He's ripping it out of his chest. Yes, I hit him. Boom! I hit him with a shot, and he was out. Right. Right. So I get back in the car, and I said, 
All right, let's go. And next thing you know, he busted the camera. It's just like Jason. Boom, no, no, no. He got up, and um, I'm in my car, and he breaks. I'm in a Rolls Royce at the time, and he breaks mm-hmm. the fucking um, the side view mirror. The mirror? What's the side view mirror? Yeah. He breaks it off. And I tell my friend, one minute, please. I go out. I fucking beat the shit out of him. Boom. I hit him. His head hit the fucking concrete. I said, oh, shit. You know when people head the car? Boop. We hit that shit. Like, Oh shit! So I got in the car. And I said, "Let's get the fuck out of here." But man, I when, when I saw in the morning he was awake and he was just really fucked up. Look at that picture in the paper. I was like, "Wow!" He's glad he didn't die. Shit. So did you guys ever talk about that? Did you ever run into him again? Say, "Hey, no, you know, ooh, sorry, sorry ooh, about the curb." No, listen. <laughs> next time after that, I ran into him, like, you would think that he'd be scared to fuck with me. And he saw me, I'm in there, I'm hanging out, the people have, like in Harlem, the people have the cheers outside and in the restaurant. He said, you fucking bitch, they go, you Sicily Tyson motherfucker in front of hundreds of thousands of people. I said, oh, fuck. He just, uh, he had no, um, I mean, he is a born-again Christian, now, but back then he yeah. had no self-respect, he didn't care. He had a jury curl. Remember that guy yeah. in Last Dragon? Come on, you remember the last drag in the movie? That guy I, had the Jerry Curl. You know, I, he looked just like him. I think he had the last Jerry Curl, the guy you fought. Yeah. Literally. Jerry Curl was great for boxing because when a guy would take a stiff right, yeah. the product would come out of his hair. Right. But sometimes it, like, enhanced, in your eye, though, it but enhanced the, but it the punch. Eye yeah. Sometimes you can't see shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Jerry Curl and shit. So, Mike, you said everything changed for you. You were terrified <clears throat> and you were so scared, and then you realized. They were more scared of you, and that empowered you. And what Bill was just talking about when a a Vander was hitting you, was that one of the first times that you thought, oh, wait, maybe he's not more scared of me? There was a moment where it flipped, and that's why you were like, what in God's name is happening? I didn't know what was happening because he was clashing me with his head. Oh, shit. You know what I'm saying? Headbutting you. I'm saying, where are these punches coming from? And I've seen these shits, right? And um, that where the... It basically came from. Got it. Hey, what's the first car you bought when you made it? When I made it, Rolls Royce. You bought, oh, that, so that was the car? No, that's one of them. That wasn't the first one. But that How was much does a side view mirror cost on a Rolls Royce? <laughs> I don't know, because like 9000 back then, something like that. Probably. So we kind of deserved the curb huh? on, his, on a little way. Maybe not the curb. Hey, listen, his head should have hit the sidewalk if there's a little bit of grass. I don't know. He just, he, he just decimated it. It's just so vivid. Like, dude, yeah. fights are like, I don't know. You know, that's I actually learned a lot about comedy watching a fight one time. A fight is comedy. Yeah, I, I saw two guys spill out of a bar. I was walking home from a club, and I saw these two guys spill out, and they were, you know, posturing, but you could tell neither one of them wanted to fight. And all, But all their friends were there, so neither one could back down, so they were both scared. And I was watching it from across the street. I was crying laughing. I didn't know anybody there, and I was crying laughing. It just struck me that, like, true comedy is, like, if you were experiencing it, it's not funny. But if you're watching it, like, the shit is hilarious. Like, uh, maybe I'm explaining this wrong. Like, truth is funny. Like, their fear is, is fucking, That's is fucking hilarious. It's always going another way. That one of these guys can have a fight and kill the other guy, and he has a family and people that love him, and he has to leave them now because of that one moment of ridiculousness. That one tenth of a I know, but if you saw these two guys, that was not going to happen. They were built like me. <laughs> that was a couple of guys who shop at the gas. They should never go to the bar again. No, they shouldn't. It was just two ego 
who weren't going to back down, and they were just hoping the other guy was going to walk away, and they didn't. And next thing you know, they're standing outside the bar with their Gap jeans. It was just funny. So did you did you take that and run with it? I mean, you're a comedian. They're comedians the dark people out here. Huh? It can you be stand up guys. What do you mean? Talk shit about people? No, he's here. You're that dark with your endurance in life. Most comedians, stand up guys. Do what? What they endured in life. Oh. I mean, I don't know. I mean, compared to what you went through, yeah, I had a nice, I had a good time. <laughs> I feel that. I mean, one of my, I'm going to sit there and tell you about the pain in my childhood after the shit you went through. I can't do that. Pain is pain, it's relevant. Yeah, you can't compare. Yeah, but you do. It makes you feel better. You know? Like you just see somebody, you know, I don't know, stand on the side of the highway wearing like a Christmas sweater, fucking begging for money. I saw this guy the other day. Part of, I didn't give him money because he had on the Christmas sweater. I'll be honest with you. I just thought it was odd. Well, first of all, he had his back to me and he was clearly counting money. And he turned around, he had gold earrings on in his Christmas sweater and he was asking for money. And I was thinking, like, what kind of homeless guy has a wardrobe like appropriate for the holidays for him to come around and beg. So I didn't give him the money. But I mean, did you look at a perspective that you would have gave for me if you want some kind of blessing from God just knowing that you gave in a good perspective? I did not think that. Only you, you only think about your feelings and you only can feel and control your thinking. He's doing it again. <laughs> I'm not saying shit. No, <laughs> no I, you were saying he was manipulating you. No way. Get out of here. Just, I'm asking about um, what kind of people do what he does. I'm just yeah. Saying, you know. I don't even know what I do anymore. I just did a tour standing next to freeways in Texas. Mm. I did uh, eight shows. No, eight nights, 16 shows. I had a great time, but it was like, uh, it felt like I was tailgating for the week. It was all. Why did you feel tailgated? Huh? Why did you feel like you were tailgated? Because I was outside and it was cold. Yeah. And I was wearing, like, winter clothes. But you were performing outside? Yeah. Yeah. Next to highways. Like, so the first show was always during rush hour, so you had to, like, yell over the traffic. So it was heavy lifting and kind of like the early days. It was hard to get to lock in with them. Yeah. During the, the first shows. With the people? Yeah. Because oh. you got you to gotta hear what they're where their rhythm is, then you got to get in with it, and then you can take them on a ride. And I, like, it was like outside, we were, there was these skyscrapers, and the laughs were kind of going up. So I, and I kept going, you guys having a good time? And then their response was, and then I had to be like, okay, this is one of these shows where I can't hear them, but I just have to know that they're having a good time. So I sort of slowed down a little bit and was able to get through it. But I mean, I, but the positive side was, it, was the fact that people care enough about comedy are coming to my show that they would sit next to a highway <laughs> with planes landing. It was like final approach to like Love Field and shit. People uh, need to laugh now more than ever. Big time. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, that shit was pretty funny yesterday, though. Do you love what you do? I do, and I miss yeah. it. And I miss it. You don't do it as much because of this? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I still do it as much as I can, but yeah. it's like... You know, one of the gigs I do, it's like it's a parking lot show. So people like sitting in cars. So you kind of have to adjust to the rhythm of that. Like, okay, they're flicking the lights. So I guess they're enjoying this. Uh, that's the stuff my wife like going to the drive-ins and stuff. <laughs> it would go see a show. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Well, hopefully this vaccine's going to work. We'll see. 
You know, once I became a lesbian, I realized I was I would perform anywhere. I would perform pig shit, and there only has to be one person there, but somebody has to be there. That's that's just that's what I get. I get get soft doing that. You love it. <sighs> I'm ashamed that I do. Why would you be ashamed? I just want to be out there in front of people talking shit and talking about me and letting people look at me and all that shit. That's, that's just really interesting stuff, right? Yeah, no, but your one-man show was good. Yeah. I, I saw Chad Palminteri do it. Yeah. I said, baby, baby, I think I could do that. He is so breathtaking when he did it. He has inspired yeah. me, which is that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, man, I remember coming to see you, and you were having so much fun. He started going off script, started improvising. And he's got his wife in his ear. And she says, sometimes, sometimes if I'm flirting with a good hand, they say, stop being an asshole, okay? <laughs> in my ear. <laughs> I don't think I could ever do a set if my wife was oh, in my ear. Very no, my wife girls. is hilarious. Oh, my God. wife would be making me laugh. She would be going like, oh, that joke killed, huh? What do you think? You're special now? Oh. <laughs> She, she was, I don't know, You're she'd come up with something. Running commentary. Oh, no, his, yes. His wife is keep, keeping him on track. Yeah, my wife is a shit. Oh, man. One day I must have did some weird arguing and she just left. She left me up there by myself. Holy shit. <laughs> then I like that? how you said I must have did something. You know you yeah. did something. Fuck, she just left me up there. How did it go? I, it went great because I was lying, talking about stuff, but it went great. But um, I can't believe she did that. So I learned to memorize. You, you could have opened with that huh? and just say, usually my wife's uh, talking no in my way. ear, but I pissed no her way. off. So you guys are going to get a freestyle show. Oh, they would have gone nuts. Because oh, that's God. something that I learned early on is you have to address the I'm situation. Too. I'm up there panicking things. I should have said that. Yeah. No, anytime, anytime that happens, if you just address what is going on. Ooh, like God. They love it. it. it yeah, and it breaks the ten. Then it, then it feels like special. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like you know, you, you did a sitcom. You know, like they didn't like when you got the line right. It's when you screwed up. Mm. Then they felt like, oh, man, I, I really am behind the scenes. If you just had a show, right. like a taping, and though everybody, like, hit their mark and everybody said the line and it all worked yeah. they're like eh, you know they didn't interact i didn't get to see the screw-ups i could have just watched this at home uh they want to see like the uh the inner workings of it like cut 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 why are you stand there you got to be over there and are we, right. are you talking about we're gonna hear about you producing some shit uh yeah I've, you're talking about some producing shit. you produce some stuff now yeah i got a i uh, started a podcast network that has now turned into like tv and hopefully a film I wrote a film with a buddy of mine, and we're looking like we're going to sell it. And uh, so All Things Comedy is going to produce it. And, uh, yeah, we started to do that. I want to be in movies. I want to be in your film, dude. Oh, I, I would definitely you get a part of it. For me. You can imagine me doing some shit. Can oh. I just tell you that, you know, I've been mixing up with Mike for a little bit, and he is on time, and he's All ready time. to go, and he walks in singing, and, you know... Thank you. He's ready to go. Absolutely. What, he was listen. agent now? Listen, he's <laughs> just in your he's blood. Seen, isn't it? He's seen it. Now, look, he's That's fucking with you. Listen, listen. I can't shake it. You can't help it. You can't help it. Uh, listen, leave him alone. Listen, you give him a back-end deal. You don't no, even have leave, any You don't even leave him skin alone. in the game. <laughs> leave him alone. And you're fucking negotiating for his fucking part, man. 
That's you, hilarious. Listen, you appreciate the truth. I have to that have his back. Did you see no, what he was you, just You know what, Bill? To be honest with you, I was dude. I was pretty blown away. That's what it was. I couldn't believe it was happening. Comes in singing earlier than any, anybody. Yeah, man. But listen, I think you guys should work something out. I don't want ten percent. But uh, the greatest thing about show, like say, like stand up comedy, is it's one of the like if you go to prison, it's hard to get a job. But like you can walk out of prison and and do an open mic within the first week, and people will put you on. They won't give a shit. Dude, they'd be like, dude, you should wear your fucking orange jumpsuit. You killed somebody? Dude, you should talk about that. That'd, that'd be funny. Like, they, they wouldn't give a fuck. <laughs> I thought you were bad. laughing. You were fucking yawning over here. No, the mushrooms are the fucking mushrooms. killing me, man. I knew it wasn't that. just weed. I was yeah. just like, there's no way I'm taking a hit off of that. There's mushrooms, something going on here. Mushrooms, baby. The shroom. I'm shrooming. <laughs> <laughs> fucked up this is he's shrooming and he's wearing pants like he went riding a horse today like side saddle or some shit man, don't be like my wife my wife is like dick patrol man don't be like checking out my fucking tight pants and shit my wife's always judging my tight fucking clothes and shit don't be like that I, I told Mike he should come train with me and he said he's gonna have to wear a jock because he doesn't want to have to hit the pads and have yeah. a whole situation I digress <laughs> this might be my favorite podcast ever. This is my, wife, my, wife just, my wife just don't like my tight clothes. She said, "Why you have to wear fucking tight clothes, Mike?" She said, "I said, baby, this is me. You marry tight clothes. Why you marry tight clothes? You marry tight clothes. Absolutely." So you never got into the baggy shit when it came out in the nineties. Fuck no, man. I wanted to show my bold and all that shit. <laughs> You know what's hilarious? I thought once baggy pants came back, I thought, and, and longer shorts, I never thought short shorts or tight clothes would ever come back. Oh, yeah, I they, never, come, they I, absolutely have to Mike come back. Mike would wear tight shorts even when he was boxing. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, everyone else was, was going for the Jordans down to the knees. I put no sexy back to boxing, shorts. dude. I put sexy back to boxing. Then I go on the wing with my Versace tights and shit, yeah. man. Bling, you wear bling. a tight Versace suit? I feel I wear Versace till I die. Wow. Now, what is it about that that you like? Huh? Does it fit your junk better it, than no, uh, yeah, East that, Saint that Laurent? Too. It was made for me. <laughs> it was made for me, yeah. yeah. He made it for me. He made it. It was about yeah. me, baby. I've dressed like this since the fifth grade. That's beautiful. I have, I have no style whatsoever. That's beautiful, and hopefully you saved a lot of money by doing this. You, you say the most eloquent way anybody's ever shit on what I'm wearing. <laughs> oh, God. You are, you are saving a I, lot of money. <laughs> Wait, what do you do with all the money you don't spend on clothes, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, do you want to? Because he is a master. He really I, I is. Know, I hate I to know he is. So, he's just trying to get the, you in the film. I know what he's doing. <laughs> he's still working it. I, no. I'm trying to get in the film, too. I'm asking him about the film. I'm not even, please, may I be able to be in your film? And show my acting skills. You don't have, like, yeah, I never thought you would want to be. I gotta, I, I'm already thinking of three different things you can do with it. Yeah. And Thank you, you. You didn't think you were going to get married? No, I didn't. I, when I was growing up, being married did not look fun. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody in my neighborhood looked happy. Everybody it was just, it was, a, it was uh, you know, I, I don't, it, it was, this is like pre-self-help. People just, you, whatever happened... You shook it off, you buried it, and you just fucking, you know, and they just school, they just kind of funneled you down something. I think a lot of people that I grew up, unfortunately, weren't doing what they wanted to do with their lives. 
Um, they did what they're supposed to do with it. Yes, is what they did. Is yeah. what they did. And then the reality of that hits. And you got, you know, people back then, where everybody had five, look, six kids. You yeah, can't, you can't pull the ripcord. I don't look down. Those guys were great. Some of those guys' kids ran this country. Those people back then started and they had all those kids. Some of those kids wound up being leaders of this country. So I no, I wasn't shitting on their kids. Yeah. I was just saying that it's tough to change uh, a job. Look what changed that. your mind that you could pull the trigger? To do what? To get married. Mm. He had no power over that. Huh. What did do that? <laughs> um, I don't remember, but I can tell you this. It seemed like a mountain that I had to climb up, and it was like so many of the demons that you have, because you get them when you're a kid, they, they look like mountains, and then you realize you, all you had to do was step up on the curb. That's all it was, and I, I gave her the ring. She broke down and cried. I never felt better, and I was just like, I should have done this forever ago. Right. And um, the fear of it. Oh, I'll tell you. I, I got a Chaz Palminteri story for you. Cool. So it's the day I'm going to get married, and like most guys, I'm freaking out, like, what in the fuck am I doing? What am I about to do with my life? And so I was getting fucking nervous, getting cold feet. So I'm with my brother. He's my best man. I go, hey, can, let's go down to the bar. I just need to have a drink before, you know, I do this shit. And he goes, cool. So we go downstairs, mm-hmm. and I'm at the hotel bar. And I got like a Budweiser because I didn't want to be fucked up <laughs> my own wedding. So I had a Budweiser, and I'm sitting there. And I look over, it was the middle of the day, and I look over, and I see Chaz Palminteri standing there with, like, four other people. And I immediately thought, a Bronx tale. Now you can't leave. <laughs> when they close that thing, and they get the shit kicked out of them. And then I got in my head going, oh, my God, that's a fucking sign. I need to get out of here. I'm kind of, I go by sign. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of, yeah. Fine. Why? <laughs> and I wasn't in New York where he was from. I was in Boston. Why is he here? Oh, Why I'm a is weirdo he in this like bar that. I'm a when I'm going like to get dude. married? What is he I, doing here, right? Yeah, yes. I'm the fucking same weird Why motherfucker the like fuck? that. I always wanted to meet that guy. Why am I meeting him right now? He's trying to tell me something. And I had to get that out of my head. Thank God I did because my wedding I was saying this means I'm going to die. So, and this means I'm going to die. I'm seeing him before I go. What yeah. was the, when, was the la- when was the last time you remember you went somewhere or what you saw either something or you saw a person? And then you were like, this, this is a higher power trying to help me out. It's saying, Mike, no. don't do this, or you're, no. you're doing the wrong thing. This is just that I thought about this person, and this person's somewhere else, and I'm in this other city or this country, and now this guy's right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's weird. What the fuck is he doing here? You know, no one can answer those questions. I think this is what I think. I had that last night when you FaceTimed me. Yeah, are you serious? Well, I was sitting there. I thought I was watching, because I've watched so many videos on you and interviews. I forgot I was talking to you for half a second. I'm like, wait, he's talking to me right now. <laughs> you know, sometimes I think, <laughs> why don't much ever happens to me, <laughs> you think about somebody, and you say, I'm going to call this guy, and all of a sudden he may pull up on you in the car, or he may call you while you mm. think about him. And he said, well, I was just thinking about you. And I think that's something that we have that we don't know enough that we can't operate that can't tap into it yeah that we'd be able to do it constant instantaneously all the time if you had that power who would you make walk through the door right now excuse me if you had the power to do that like if you if you had control of it right this second and you and you were like who do you want to walk through the door right now my kids dude that's a 
fucking nicest answer ever. All my yeah. kids are hanging out. I wouldn't see this nigga and shit. And he talked to your guy. You meant you to make jokes on him and stuff. I would have picked Lee Majors personally. <laughs> you were saying that your fear is always worse than what it is. Mm. Your fear is always worse than what it is. All of our fears. Y- are. Your fear of, of getting hit. I have a question. We Did you find the question. coat first or the boots? Oh, uh, you're a cool drafted motherfucker. Oh, excuse me. I know, like I said, I'm going to start See, conducting myself Mike with some meant kind that, of and you distinguish were, here. You're going down a different path, and I have no idea. It, he looks yeah. beautiful. He He's does. Beautiful. I mean, to, to have that type of color coordination on a podcast is incredible. <laughs> I mean, I thought See, I was crushing it with the black and gray. You, you are, and by with, the way, with the gray you're hair. being self-deprecating, but you put it together as I did well. put it together. Don't this came like right out of the dry cleaner. But look at, hey, so hey, I can show you all my COVID hey, listen, listen. <laughs> I should have worn the jacket like you. Hey, listen, you got to cover up. Forget you got to cover up during That the reminds COVID. me of Bonanza. I love no the car way. rights. No way. You don't fuck a Bonanza. Bonanza was the shit. Bonanza's in a tight pants. We're fashion plates, man. Look at that. Those yeah. pants look like it went with that outfit. <laughs> and you said, you know what? I like those. You guys broke it up. It's perfect. Mike's got some. <coughs> he's got a hat going on as well. He's got, you know. Player. Yeah, you, got, yeah, you are. Play, player. Now, do they send you your, at your level? Do they send you like a rack of clothes and just go, Mike, if, if you could fit this into your schedule? Because if you wear these shoes or this shirt, we're going to, you know, they're going to sell a bunch. Well, I don't know. Um, they assume them is they don't, the clothes are just not cool enough. I have to ask them, this is what I want. Because some people, like, they offer their clothes, they just, I'm not going to wear it. Right. Isn't that weird, though? You can't yeah. afford shit, right? Coming up, you're broke. And then when you finally make it and you can pay for shit, people just want to give you stuff. Then I realize that's entrepreneurship. Nobody's giving me anything. You know what I mean? That's true. Mushrooms. Yeah. See? Another reason why you see all the angles. I didn't. Sitting here with my sober mind. What's the best part about mushrooms, Mike? For you. The best part, the best feeling on mushrooms. Not being badgered with questions as you enjoy the high. No, it just doesn't. uh, (laughs) Kind of the nature of the beast here, Bill. Fuck with you. You know, it's it's certain elements. What do you mean? Sometimes it just doesn't judge you. You don't have to worry about being judged. But you can get bad mushrooms. You ever get mushrooms? You're just like, ah, this didn't take me where I wanted to be. A hundred percent, yeah. So what's the name of this strain of uh, mushrooms? Penis envy. No, the mushrooms. Peanut it's envy called envy penis envy mushroom. Peanut envy mushroom. I hear you. I was just <laughs> waiting for the joke. You serious? That's what they Absolutely. call it? All right. I owe you an apology. I thought it was a joke. Hey, I'm Bill Burr for Penis Envy Mushrooms. The dick get you know, envy with these shrooms. When you want to get down to your kid's level or maybe talk to God, this shit tastes like foam. <laughs> yeah, I like that dirt poor. shit of uh, vagina envy. Yeah, that's disgusting. Growing up, Bill's reference for mushrooms is when we were growing up, it's, they were dirty, they lasted forever, and they were intimidating. They're sanitary now, baby. It is kind of cool that shit is, once it becomes legal, then it gets way cleaner. They fine-tune it. Yeah, like weed stores. They, what they, do you like doing, Bill, though, right? I know mean, you're not the Humpty Dumpty guy, the, 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 the fucking 
Buddy Downer. Why'd you say Humpty Dumpty? Because of my head? No, I, mean, I see what you're saying. No, you're not the <laughs> guy that you <laughs> I see what you just shit. did there. Nah, he snuck right? one in. He snuck one in after the bell. Well, you saw <laughs> yeah, that. That guy ain't worth shit, man. Listen, <laughs> what do you do, man? You have to have the things under control. You're too laid back. You what do be, I do? Now? I yeah. kind of got rid of everything. Once How I had my kids, kid, I, I, I got two. And I quit. How old are they? Oh, young. I started late. Uh, are they driving you crazy, huh? No, I love them. How old are they? I love them. Uh, one's going to be four and the other other's seven months. Listen, can I tell you something, brother? What? My advice? Enjoy it. No, I am. Enjoy. I am because that's why I kind of love I love the pandemic because I'm not on the road and I don't have a lot of shit going on. I'm enjoying the the hell out. I had a girl first Uh and then the boy, which is great. If you have the girl first, because they are way more receptive to having a sibling. Listen, man, where a boy kind of looks at a baby like they don't give a shit. When they get like twelve and thirteen, whoa. Then, then, then. So now you got another person in the house. I know. I know. I know. Girls are a trip. They take over stuff. Well, that already happened. Yeah, you just had It to- already happened. She's, uh, I'm definitely the good cop in the relationship. But I think that that happens with, um, I think girls, obviously, they, you, the, the kids get away with, Murder with the opposite sex. So my son's going to get away with murder with my mom. My mom. With my wife. The fuck was that? Uh-oh. My daughter will get away with murder with me. Basically. And yeah, they know how to play that, you too. They know how to play well, that's you. the... Th- I think because my wife is sitting there going like, you know she's, that's a fake cry. Like she, she knows the thing. So now, now that's making me look at but my sub, wife like. But subconsciously, why do you know all these? Tricks? Hey, but subconsciously, hey, you picking on my baby? You know what I mean? That's happening my day. What are you making a cry? Well, it's not that important. Yeah. No, cry, I feel that because I like when she'll discipline her. You know, we don't spank or anything like that. But it just goes like she'll just be like, "Hey, you got to stop doing that or whatever." There is a twinge of me going like, "Yeah, I'm the same. Wow, yeah, I'm the don't, same way. Yeah, I'm the same with my daughter. Don't talk to her like that. Yeah." She can do nothing wrong. <laughs> and it's so interesting, Mike, because we were talking before about <clears throat> the fact that you can get love from all these strangers and you can be celebrated, and then you're looking for it from your own kids, and it doesn't necessarily come that way. You it's know, not that easy. It's the real deal, right? Our kids, right? And just when they get that age, like my kids, they see the bullshit in us. That our fans or people that they don't see that bullshit that the kids see when we're not us oh and God, when we're not putting so, on. That's so true. And I see that bullshit. To, so it's hard for them to, so they look at you now. So it's hard for them to, to fucking like be jumping on your junk when they see these flaws going on. Yeah. My daughter gave me that look at about 18 months. Yeah. My heart dropped. I was <laughs> like, oh my God, she already figured me out. That's a hell of a feeling, huh? It is. And you think it's humbling. People, she she was looking. Than me. I'm saying these people are smarter than me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see that. These kids are smarter than me. I'm thinking they're aliens. Mm. How do you know all this stuff? They also have access to a lot more information. Yeah, may, uh, maybe no, but they know uh, maybe it's just way more. Another breed of a breed of human being. They're a different breed of human being. No, you think because they they can't walk and they can't talk that they that the brain's working. And they are just processing shit. They just don't have the ability to sit there and be like, wow, what you just did was really fucked up. They just yeah. sort of look at you. <laughs> just like, yeah. 
You just got to look at your baby and just be like, I know. I know. I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm working on it. But the thing that I, I uh, I am happy about is that I apologize. I admit that I'm wrong. And I talk shit out um, with my kid. My, my son's not old enough yet. So I am, my, my best thing that I like is my daughter is not afraid of me at all. At all. Which is, uh, she respects me, but she's not afraid. So at least I got that going for me. I would tell my kid, you know your grandmother would have did to you if you said that to me, to her, that you said to me, your grandmother would beat your ass. She said, well, my grandmother's not here. My kids get away with it. They say everything yeah. crazy to me. Yeah. yeah. I love them. They're spoiled. That's what you're supposed to. I mean, to a certain degree, you're supposed they to do They could bat that. me every time I told them, but that's not good. That's not right. That's not right. I got nieces, and they bust my balls, and they yeah. just they crush me. Oh. They, it's, it's pathetic. I took them over to uh, Jamie Foxx at a Christmas party, and I brought Pearl over because I'm trying to impress them because I need a win. I need a win from these girls. Should have brought me. I would have been impressed. No, she, I would have. Really? <laughs> I would have. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Because my Pearl took one look at me. We're walking in, and she literally looks at me and she goes, "Is Jamie going to be awkward the way you are?" Oh God! We, yeah, they walk in, and these <laughs> these little girls are. They feel like they're. What too, do you say to that? Yeah, there, there's no comeback. My daughter saw Venus, and that just really blew her mind. She trained with Venus a little bit, and that just yeah. really took it to her. She just blew. She can't believe it. My daughter said to me the other day, I go, she goes, she just goes like, Dad, can I have this or whatever? I go, I go, how come you never say please? And she goes, well, because I'm smart and I know a lot about music. I don't even know what the fuck that means. And I was just like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> what did you ask me for? What's the name of this podcast? Hotboxing. Okay. Yeah. They might, you might, you should have like a little mushroom in there too. Neon mushroom. Yeah. Um. Yes, I should. I really should. You're absolutely right. Instead of like a four-leaf clover, you have a mushroom there. Why not, man? I think that's cool. Yeah, man. What about peyote? Did you ever do that? I'm not a peyote guy. That means you, did you try it? No. I'm a toad guy. See the toad right there? I like to smoke the toad puff. You never tried peyote? No. So, son, how, what is it about it that you would say I'm not a peyote guy if you didn't try it? No. Because that seems like, like for, like for someone like me who never tripped or anything, for someone to say, here's some peyote, that's a huge leap for me. And I, really? But I feel like if you, you already tried mushrooms, right? I did so much other <clears throat> stuff that peyote is just small, small fries to me. Hey, what's Japan like? What do you, what do you say? It's like um, a simile line? An assembly line, yeah. And does Tokyo... Now, whenever I see pictures, it looks like a giant Times Square. I don't mean that in a bad way, but it just it looks yeah, but ridiculously like vivid. Everybody walks through. Everybody's doing what they have to do. There's nobody chilling and talking shit. I ain't that. No, it's none of that. So what did, uh, coming from America? Women, women don't have no really good rights. A lot of women are in jail there for passions of crimes of passion, killing their husbands or something. Mm. That's a thing over there? Yeah, yeah. You, you've nuts. got an interesting. You know the scariest place I ever went. What's that? Uh, Singapore. Really? Yeah, because that was where you know they came that young kid. Right? Yeah, and uh, this is how I grew up too. My mother was just like, "Well, they should. Those were the laws. That's what that's what they should do." Um, I just remember th- going through security 
and just thinking like I, I don't have any weed. I got I got nothing, right? I don't have any weed. And I was telling my wife, you don't have any weed, nothing. And like you know, you hear this shit like if you spit gum on the street, like you go to jail forever, which isn't yeah, true. You that, can get in trouble. Yeah, but you can get in trouble, but it's not like they no, they not, execute you or anything. But um, that was the scary. Plus, I, I watched uh, a video one time of somebody getting caned. It is no fucking. The dude took like three and was fine, and on the fourth one, he fucking collapsed, sort of. And they kind of like hold. He had to take seven. Yeah, it's not a good thing to watch before you go to Singapore. No. That's not good for tourist. No, no attractions. Can I borrow your lighter, Mike? Please, Thank I'm you, sir. Did you call your shot with the Mandalorian? Did they come to you? Did you? Are you? Were you in that movie? To t- uh, TV series on uh, Disney. 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 I thought it was a movie. Um, well, if you like spaghetti westerns, you ought to check that shit out. Because John Favreau, oh my God, he fucking they they're killing it. Rick Famuyiwa, they're just killing it over there. And. Um, I've always made, I always made fun of Star Wars. Not because I really, really hated it. It's just I saw people excited about shit. And being a comedian, you, you just make fun of it. Up, right. Yeah, you just make fun of it, right? You're a yeah. miserable fuck, aren't you? Uh, fuck up not, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as like I used to be. Now I kind of do it more fun. But when I was a younger comic, when I was really angry, I wasn't a miserable prick. But... Uh, so anyway, I've, I've always Joe made... Joe Rogan was the angry um, comic, too, at one time. You ever see Joe Rogan stand up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's pretty tough. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, that guy, uh, that's one, he's one of the best comedians I've ever seen. Like, his energy on stage is uh, unique. There's no, the first time I saw him was at the Kowloon in Saugus. It was a Chinese restaurant. Like, for some reason... Chinese restaurants and stand-up comedy in Boston. They just always had a room in the back or a room upstairs. In this place, they had a room upstairs. Always me, food, yeah. Yeah, and me and... I, like, uh, I think I would like the Chinese restaurants, but they have good food there. Huh? Yeah, and East Coast Chinese food, too, which is the shit. So um, I went with late, great Patrice O'Neill, and we went and watched him, and we're just fucking blown away. There was nobody... There was this weird thing with Boston comedy where... You had this Mount Rushmore people that created it, and they didn't leave, um, didn't want to leave, you know, and they were making great money. So you had to leave and establish yourself and then come back, and then you could headline. So he was the guy we were looking at, like, how did he do that? Like, how was he still in his 20s headlining the Kowloon? Because mm-hmm. that, it just, you, couldn't, you couldn't get that. That gig did not exist for our generation, and he did it. So we're like, all right, let's go down and check this guy out, see if this guy's as good as people say. He was, he was, that's when he was doing the, uh, you ever see Tiger's fucking? His, that was his closing bit. And he sounded just like a tiger, and he acted this shit out. I just, like, the, I remember the sonic, like, assault of that bit in a great way was just like, there was, like, that bit alone was better than what my whole generation was doing collectively when we watched that. So I was just like, and that was one of those things when you saw a guy that good, that it, it couldn't not have an impression on you that you had to be like, so do you think that's your biggest influence? That was there's comics and there's certain sets and he's mm-hmm. both Joe Rogan at the Kowloon mm-hmm. and fucking, I mean, I'm talking like 94, mm-hmm. 
was before I moved to New York, me and Patrice went down and we watched him. And we were just like, what She's the... not with us no more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it I sucks. was at his... One of the... One of the last, what, we roast Charlie Sheen or something. That was the last roast that he had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that'll never not be sad. That guy... Yeah. If he was still alive, you wouldn't know who I was or a lot of other people because he was... He was... Uh, he was so good. But that was what made it great because he was so good. You'd never had a competitive thing with him. Mm-hmm. Like, in order to compete with somebody, they have to be somewhere within my sight. And he was just over the horizon and just so... When he went on stage, I, you just became... You stopped being a comedian. You just became, like, a fan of stand-up. And that's what Rogan did when I saw him at the Kowloon. Like, I stopped being like, okay, how do I get there? And he, okay, he moved to L.A. I just, I just forgot all of that shit and just started enjoying the show. And, um, yeah, I almost felt like I should have paid him because <laughs> I, I was sitting there like an audience member. And people are that way with you when they see certain bits that you do, like your helicopter bit. They look at that and go, okay, you're hitting that from so many different angles, so many different perspectives. That's You really- know what's funny? I flew with the guy that was the dude flying, and he had seen me do the bit, and he never brought it up. How really? Cool, how cool is that? I had to find out afterwards. I rented this helicopter. I got a pilot's license. So we were flying up to... Uh, Crazy man. Flying up to... Uh, dude, I'm telling you. Once you get up there... I bet. You will be so fucking scared driving down mm-hmm. the highway. The highway becomes way scarier. Way scarier. It's like nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. It's like we're all flying in formation and nobody has any... John Kennedy Jr. is telling me the same thing. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, when uh, you're up there... You should see the uh, technology... Then you can't believe how beautiful it is up there. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's insane. That's what I heard. I it's heard insane. So, um, yeah. I like go up there and I find shit I want to go do with my wife. <laughs> I'm I know, flying I don't, on a little I don't fucking beach. Do this. I don't want to yeah. drive a rider plane. Yeah. So you're, 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 um, you're the kind of guy that likes um, do uh, one of the drilling, drilling junkies, right? No, you know why I, I end up getting into helicopters was was conspiracy theory. Tell me. So I was reading too much about the Federal Reserve because <laughs> you are doing too much because you can't fix it. So all you do is just meet other psychos. No psychics. And psychos. Well, you can't tell me that you haven't met a conspiracy theorist where you're excited because they're into it too. And about a minute into the conversation, it's like, I got to get away from this fucking guy. Well, well just, you don't experience that. You're Mike Tyson. Little, I, little, you look like me little, with no fights. Yeah. I understand some <laughs> people will bend your ear a little more. Certain issues than they are in others. All right. So it was Mike. Mike, I was reading right. up on this shit. And what were you I, reading up on? Just how the whole Federal Reserve came about the woodrow wilson shit his letter of regret 12 yeah and how they passed it when everybody had gone home it's and just th- like now um they they wanted to um put taxes on the robber barons that's when the taxes were created that's what these federal guys this 412 families made the federal reserve the the um the tax the robber barons like the Rockefellers and the Vanderbilts and all those kind. I thought they, they were the robber barons and they took no, control of the money. No, they're the robber barons. But who's gonna who's gonna put the robber barons in their perspective? So they need guys like um, Theodore Roosevelt to do that to make these laws. So now, well, if that's now what taxes come in nineteen twelve. But if that's what they were trying to no do, then and if you told me that, then I would have never learned how to fly. Because I learned how to fly from reading that shit. Because I became convinced that the dollar was going to collapse. 
that 2008 mm-hmm. shit happened and they were just like, hey, go fuck yourself. We're too big to fail. That so, was never going to collapse. It's just that we're going to get our share. We're going to make up something that's called taxes and we're going to tax the robber band so their money won't get too powerful. Mm-hmm. All right, well, my that's version of it <laughs> was... No, that's just a I, fact. I, you can I, read that. That's why they did it. 1912, um, six families. Decided oh, that Devil's to, Island shit. Yeah, I read all of that stuff. No, so then, no, it wasn't no Devil's Island. It was just um, families, and they just decided. Well, you got to send me the control. link to read that because the one that I had had Devil's Island, which really made it more vivid that these guys met in a place called Devil's Island. <laughs> so then it just starts seeming true. It's why the internet is really a bad. It can be a great thing. You can learn a language, you can do all this great shit, but if you just, you know, if you're a dummy like me and you get a fucking laptop, like there's no telling what you're going to watch why, why and what, you, why, what you're going to believe. Why would you think the government would create taxes in 1912? Since 1912, they decided not to have no taxes. Why did they decide all of a sudden we should make taxes? I don't know, man. I, 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 I don't know. I, didn't, I just, whatever the fuck I read, it made me paranoid to live in L.A. And I was like... I can't even get out of this place when it works. So up and out. So you got on a helicopter. Yes, you did. Huh? You got on a helicopter. Yeah, that was, and that was it. And then, and then I was starting to get away from conspiracy theory. And then I started flying helicopters. And I'm, I'm sort of a closet gearhead. Like, I don't know how to fix shit, but I've watched everybody fix everything. Mm-hmm. I watched this guy, Eric, the car guy. I watched him, like, fix, like, a fucking 95 Honda Accord. And I can't stop watching shit. Like, like he figures out the electrical you know, and I just, I don't know, I just watched the guy and he just makes it look so simple. So I kind of got into that and had a really poor science background. So the physics of flying and all of that was this whole new world. What is your world. biggest fear? The ocean. No, what do you fear more than anything? That ocean, we all fear Now, why did ocean. you just say no like you know? No, but we all fear the ocean. We all that was like, fuck, like you're in my head, I, I, you know I, I, what I'm I, thinking I, more than I do? How does the ocean... Aggressive therapy. <laughs> You just met me. You, you, I, you asked me, and I literally said it was the ocean. You're he wants like, to no. go deeper, no pun intended. I'm a profiler. Uh. I'm a profiler. <laughs> this is from all he, those years. Mike sizing Walker, a, no, he, this is from all those years of having to size a guy up across the ring. Exactly. Yeah, who, like, I don't understand how no, you listen, don't throw up before this. You know there's listen. a guy just training to fucking knock your brain into the fifth fucking mm-hmm. row, and you know while you're training that that's what that guy's doing. How do you even go to bed? How are you not just lying there going, is he still doing more sit-ups? Do I need to do a few more of these? Like, no, but no, it's interesting. It's just in that I size him up. It's in like, before, like in 30 seconds, I have to size somebody up before we fight. But you know my favorite stare-down you had? What? was Peter McNeely. Absolutely. Peter that McNeely. fucking thing, your head wasn't moving, and he was yeah. sitting there going like this, and you just stand there going. Yo, listen, I got to tell you one thing. Peter your McNeely. eyes were just going side to side, and Peter we all knew the fight was over anyways. one of the greatest guys in the world. Personally, right, you know. So I'm in. Uh, after biting the van hill, they send me to um, Harvard Medical Center, a psych ward, pretty much. You know, so I had to go there for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, so what you said, they're going like, I'm not, I'm not crazy. The fucking I'm doing dude, this shit. I'm doing this shit. Headbutting me, back in the, but that, that, that <laughs> don't mean shit, man. I gotta go talk to these people with these white jackets. Wait, man, did they right? give you the Jack Nicholson yeah. knitted hat from One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest? And you're like, come on, put the game on. They got <laughs> like me the one, the, the, the one same guy in right. there. They got right. me in there with people, with fucking chickens and shit. Yeah, so um, I'm in there. 
But all of a sudden in my room, knock, knock, know who it is, Peter McNeil. Yo, Mike, let's go out, baby. This is beautiful, baby. Let's go out. I got some bitches right now. I said, Peter, I can't. I got to take this test. I said, nah, fuck that, Mike. I got these bitches. Let's go out. That's amazing. And, man, it was just, I wanted to go out with him so bad. Yeah. He just looked like, ah, oh, he just looked like the That's so cool that you guys at one moment are trying to kill each other, mm-hmm. and then the second it's over. Like, you guys can just hang out. It's just us trying to make some money for our families, man. We don't have no... Most fighters are really friends, and we respect each other. We just put on this show. Yeah, but that moment that he's talking about, that wasn't a show. I mean, you were locked in. Oh, yeah, we're fighting. You, you were locked in. But after and you couldn't wait to get love. after it. Yeah, but after it's you over, my favorite, My favorite stare down. I know he'd been you to... You want another, another guy? I know he'd been to a bunch of rehabs. Peter, Peter had to go to a bunch of rehabs, man. He's a beautiful person. He just liked the party. Another guy I thought he had a great stare was uh, Tommy Hearns. Tommy Hearns was pretty tough, wasn't he? Yeah, and he day? had that weird thing where he was like almost six feet tall, but he, he could, but he could make weight at like one fifty-five. Um, he was great. That bro. middleweight division, um, like in the seventies, it was the heavyweight division. I don't know much about boxing, but like. The middleweight division when it was Duran, Sugar Ray, Marvin Hagler, my favorite, you know, because he was a Brockton, Massachusetts guy. He's underrated, Hagler, I think. Oh, Oh, man, it still kills me. that I I thought he won that Sugar Ray fight, man. When he was sitting there going, like, this is why I don't fight in Vegas or something, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. I just was like, ah. But but I also loved uh, Sugar Ray. I loved all those guys. Roberto Duran, I loved that whole division and... uh, yeah, boxing was... All those guys for Hagler when Hagler was at the end of his career. No one right. knows got that for him in his prime. I do love that he, when he said, after that fight, fuck it, I'm not coming yeah. back. I mean, he's coming back. It was like Barry Sanders. You, know, you, you could he easily to, go out and... He went to Italy. He was hanging out in Italy. I saw him in Italy a couple of times. That's where he lives, apparently, Hagler. Yeah, he came to see me fight in England. Once I was fighting in England, he came to visit me. When you fought Frank Bruno, or I don't know who was yeah. fought in England, the English well, you champion. Did fight Frank Bruno in England. Somebody was not Frank yeah. fought him over here. How often do you run oh. into guys you, you fought? And I don't mean the famous guys. I just ran into Frank Bruno. We did some kind of commercial Sweet or something guy. together. Periodically, that much. So, Mike, That's you want to do another one-man show? Absolutely, I die. So you got a guy who's one of the best writers in the game. The fucking agent here. He's putting together another package uh-huh. here. I, I, I'm just. I was trying to, and if you don't want to go into it, that's fine, but I was... Are you fucking kidding me? I'd do that in a second. Oh, okay. If you he, came with me with, like, some stories and shit, I, I've seen your one-man show. I wouldn't need to... I would just wife, be like, I would expand my, on this, expand on that, but, like, his stories are fucking my, ridiculous. My producer. My wife does all my lines and shit. I, I know, but... She directs, she's the only one that could direct me. All right, I'm not going to ruin his really personal life. It's really complicated to be directed by... You know, I'm a really asshole when it comes no, to that. No, but the the great thing about Bill's journey is he he could probably unlock yeah. different ways and different perspectives to look at your stories. Don't oversell it now. Don't oversell just, it. Well, he's good, baby. He's good. He's good. He what? said you were going to unlock some shit. You didn't unlock anything, and I get it fucking yelled at. <laughs> what do you do, Bill? What, what's your life like? Like Besides the kids, you have friends, you go out, and you just stay in clubs. I and did. All the time. I did before. Before this bull, before this shit happened, yeah. Yeah, my my yes, I have um, yeah, I have a tight circle of friends that I would do anything for, and they do anything for me, and we've had some of the best times 
ever doing st- not even like just doing the shows it was like the hangs afterwards you know hanging out and talking and we would just always uh we were drinkers so we would just get like a tour bus and we'd do the show and then we would just you know we'd go to the italian section in in like pittsburgh get a bunch of italian food and we'd watch like a gangster movie or you know if we just felt like getting fucked up we'd watch like anchorman we did like really just stupid clubhouse shit and i gotta tell you i'm glad that that's the way i did the fucking road you know that was the way to do it with all this bullshit there now I remember when I was a young kid, we was always boxing in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Holyoke, Massachusetts. Mm. I don't even know where that is. I just remember always hearing that growing up. Holy I'm sure that. Dick Doherty had a club out there at one yeah, point. Shout out to Dick Doherty. Dick Doherty. Dick Doherty. Dick Doherty. Dick Doherty. Dick Doherty. King of Boston comedy. You're a very interesting guy, dude. Am I or is that the mushrooms? What do you think? It's no, got to be 50-50. The mushrooms didn't <laughs> seep in yet. Oh, they did. Nah. It's got to be getting close. You took that last uh, nah, not 30 head of cauliflower now. level of mushrooms that he took. What are you talking about? No, just it was just uh, hilarious because you're on a different wavelength right now. You should do it. Yeah. It'd be, be very stimulating. The, the thing about <laughs> mushrooms is because it's not man-made. It takes whatever you're feeling and explores and heightens it, as opposed to. So you've done mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. I like the way you said. So, yeah, I want to hear the story. <laughs> you went, yeah, yeah. No, I, I used. I used. You to, got more relaxed when I said that. Yeah, yeah. You felt it. This is an infomercial for mushrooms, and you know what? I'm buying. I am no fucking the, buying. Bro, we got no skin in this game. I know. That's you? why it is, because you guys are not making any money off of it, and you're selling it like you do. So it, it's... Um, well, you said, you said to him, you know, when he said you're an interesting dude, he meant it, because really? it's not like he's doing blow, and he's talking shit, and he's a slave to this man-made drug. He's, it's just, it just gets into whatever truth you have, and it just kind of heightens it. Dude, you on blow would be the greatest fucking thing ever. <laughs> oh, listen, You're right? Listen, this ever. guy, oh, listen, right? Your teeth and shit. Your I saw him on blow. I know how he was on blow. I saw him act like it in a movie. Oh, this shit would be crazy. Oh, oh shit. This I never fucked with that. You know what's weird? Like how just certain drugs, like the stigma, like cocaine was always dirty. It was always in the back room, and everybody had to be doing Like, you know, you can take mushrooms in front of you. You want something? Uh, it's social. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Cocaine was always that. No, cocaine was never dirty. I came in a world where it was very sociable cocaine. Everybody yeah. had cocaine in the room, and everybody thought their cocaine was better than everybody else's cocaine. Oh. That's, well, by the time it came around to me, that's not the way it was. And I remember, uh, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But, 96, uh, baby. 96, it was still. That was like 15 years after The Big Lie. 96, dude. Cocaine, The Big Lie. You don't remember that in the 80s? The 80s. I wasn't a cocaine guy. That's when I was oh, a kid. I'm talking about as I got successful and I had the cocaine. It was massive and we were enjoying it. Yeah. I mean, Mike, Mike and I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying this. I'm quoting you. You're one of the only guys who can do cocaine and actually gain weight. Absolutely. It's very rare. Absolutely. I must have had bad cocaine. Oh, you get the munchies? That's not good no, cocaine. No, no. I, I, I don't know what it was, but I got really large. I was the fat coquette. <laughs> That's rare. That's like a unicorn, a fat coquette. Yeah, everybody said, man, yeah. what the fuck happened to you? You sure you're not doing more than coke? Shit, I said, fuck. I'm the only fat All right, so if I was helping you, <laughs> if I was helping him with this one-man show, I mean, yeah. you got to build that out. Correct. Fat, the correct. fat coquette. Oh, no, you it's gotta in the, do, it's in the show. I got do, to do the show. Do the... 
this thing and then do the fat cokehead. No, and then, no, no, listen. We did that. That's we a did that. fat cokehead. I'm seeing the show. I showed Mike. a picture. I showed a picture of the fat cokehead. Oh, well, you see that? That's, that's really We've funny. seen the pictures, Mike. Yes, but we I, do that, my show. I do that in my show. I showed them the pictures. Oh, yeah, that's right. They got pictures in the show, so I showed the pictures of the fat crackhead. One of the predominant feelings on mushrooms is just straight up joy and laughter, correct? I'm just um, feeling comfortable with you first. Okay. You know, it gives you comfortability. Yeah. And what does that say about you that he had to eat that much mushrooms to get fucking comfortable with you? There's a nervousness to you. I feel it. No, no. I've been you can ask Mike. It's, 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 it's traveling through the couch and it's getting into me. No, that's bullshit, man. Ask I'm Mike. He'll give it to you straight. You, Mike, do I make I you, 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 you? You make him nervous. Huh? No, I think it, no, they nothing think, makes him fucking nervous. You talking about? To examine our brother. Yeah, he wants to examine you. You know, you gotta have to go. You gotta have to go to um a you you. Um, well, I, when I, I got arrested for drinking and driving, yeah, I, I had to go to uh, I had to go to two AA meetings, and uh, and I immediately realized I wasn't an alcoholic. Oh, because you, you went there, and I was just like, all right, I guess this is where my life is. I guess I'm like these people. And then the people started telling these fucking stories. I was like, it's like, all right, I drink. These fucking people, <laughs> these fucking people drink. Because I was listening to their stories. I just was, every, with every low point, I was just going, and then you quit. And then you came here and ate donuts. And it was like, no, I kept going. It was just every, everything ended the same way. And the next day, you know, I couldn't find my teeth. Uh, but you know, I was I was you know wearing pajama bottoms, and I know I got there. But I, you know, at nine a.m. I was standing right outside the liquor store, standing right outside the liquor store, just trying to get the fucking. I'm just. So then they go to me. Do you want to share? It's like, dude, I can't fucking follow this. No way. Can't yeah, I, I, yeah. Gives you a little perspective. Yeah, I just yeah. I, well, I also got busted so young. I was like 21 when I got. I didn't get yeah. So my drinking got out of control when I got money. And then, yeah, (laughs) that's the clip. That's the clip. When you fucking advertise this podcast, that is the clip. That's it. That was fucking perfect. (laughs) That can happen. That can. There was so much behind that. Oh my god, that was like another three one man shows, dude. That's the name of your one man show. That can happen. That can happen. And then you just fucking launch into it. Yes. You talk about being a fat cokehead. I'm seeing a <laughs> that Tony can happen, Award. Right? You got to get in on this, that, man. That, this that is your idea. Happen. <laughs> they don't believe no fat cokehead that that can happen. Oh, this is fucking tremendous. That can happen. How you doing, Joby, man? You know how grumpy right? I was driving all the way that down here. This is the greatest that's decision the way, I've made. That's the way life is, right? Hey, dude, wish we knew what listen, dude, like. that can happen is now in my fucking that vernacular. <laughs> that can happen. It just covers, it covers so much ground. You see me does. homeless with the beautiful woman? That can happen. That can happen. <laughs> that can happen. That can happen. Mike, you have a great podcast. Oh, no, but this, this is a great fucking podcast. Cuban Cigars. And that can happen. I mean, what the... That my day happen. is complete. Yeah, think about Mike, because he'll look at you every once in a while, and he'll just cut right through it. Yeah, I've noticed yeah. that within the <laughs> first 30 seconds. Yeah, I'm just waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. I, I love know, it. This is fucking beautiful. You see your beautiful brother? You're talking about your conspiracy motherfucker. You think the same shit I think. Yeah. How you think we got here? 
I don't know, but if I was on mushrooms, I would think that fight actually happened. Elvis Presley versus Muhammad Ali. That's beautiful, right? Elvis gave him that rope. Elvis was a beautiful person in real life. You know? He wasn't the person people thought he was. Did you ever meet Elvis, Mike? No, he died in like 77. 77, right. August. Right. August of 77. That's right. You know, that's me. I know who you talking about. How the fuck I care about the fucking dying in 77, but we know. It's just in our head. We know he died. That, that was, was a big was, deal. Was I was big... 11 years old then. I remember that. Yeah, I was nine. But you remember that, huh? Yeah, I remember the they played him on the radio. Yeah. My parents were dancing to like his day. music in the living room and shit. That was a big deal. A lot of caddies at that funeral, huh? Mm. Everybody loved him. He was a generous dude, too. Bill Burr, comedian, baby! Made headlines in October 2000 and 2000 after controversial monologue. You know, my own. 2000 and 2000, Mike, that's 2020. Those Brownsville schools, man. Phil, tell me, man, but listen, right? Two thousand to two thousand. This is fucking man, great. Twenty twenty. Yeah. Twenty twenty. Yeah. Bill, Be twenty and twenty, Bill, if anything. So Bill, he had Bill, Bill, some backlash Bill, after the SNL Bill, monologue. Billy, he's speaking Billy his boy. Truth. Oh, Billy. Oh, Mikey. I did mushrooms, dude. You did. She You're a beautiful funny. person. She was funny. She was funny <laughs> with mushrooms, dude. <laughs> um, I, I had actually so heard. So, anyways, that was that's all bullshit. Well, that okay. is okay. They, but it was they, incredibly difficult to get that monologue because you had no live, real live audiences to kind of workshop the material. You kind of so dog you, sometimes. You're not friendly with people. You know that, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm aware of that. I'm, I'm more defensive is what it is. No, but I, I don't like we're that. We're happy sh- to have you, man. Thank you for showing up. Dude, yeah. if I knew it was going to be like this, I would have been, been here years ago. <laughs> 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 I, I feel like I'm skipping school right now. This is fucking amazing. <laughs> oh, man, this is a beautiful day. Yeah, absolutely. I remember I skipped school one time. The Celtics won a championship, 86, right? My parents, I asked them if I could go to the parade, and they were like, no, you can't. You got to go to school. And I was like, all right. So I just went anyway. And I didn't wear sunblock or anything, so my face, I looked like a fucking lobster. <laughs> <laughs> and... uh and for some dumb reason, I, was, I mean, I was fucking shit-faced. I was driving this pickup truck, and I had, like, fucking 20 other drunk people in the back. And I went by this. After I dropped them off, I went back to the school to get, because I knew I had a test, and I didn't have the book. So I went into my high school completely shit-faced and sunburned. So I'm walking down the hall in the middle of the fucking, like, I'm supposed to be in a class. So you had to have a hall pass. So I'm walking down the fucking hall, and, of course... The, the vice principal who suspended everybody, Mr. Calnam, comes walking down, and I am fucking shit-faced. And I was just like, just hold it together. Just act like you have a pass. Just act like you have a pass. And I walked by him, and I, and I, said, I said, what's up? Instead of saying, Mr. Calnam, I said, what's up? And I was just like, and he just goes, how are you? And he just kept fucking walking. Because I was literally thinking, like, this is an automatic two-week suspension. I'm already flunking all my classes. I'm going to get zeros and everything. My dad's going to make me even redder than I am. This guy. He, and he you up. He didn't. He didn't. It's one of the few times in my life I ever just played it cool. And it worked. I think because I said, what's up? It's like if you didn't have a hall pass, you wouldn't have said that. But it was the alcohol. And then that started my drinking. I was like, I like, I like me on booze. Mm. 
I say hello to people. They don't ask for credentials. When the last time you worked? Texas. Excuse me? Texas. Texas. How long was that? When I, 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 did, a, I did a run of dates out there. I mentioned it uh, about an hour ago before the uh, handfuls of mushrooms. Time has no meaning for Mike at this point. No, no, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. exist. Are you a sci-fi guy? No, no. You're not into it? No. I'm not really into it either. I'm not a sci-fi guy. Unless it's like Blade Blade Runner. With that with Arnold Schwarzenegger? No, that was with um, Harrison Harrison Ford. Ford, Oh, that's the first one. Yeah, the first one. In the 70s, right? Early 80s, but the Ryan Gosling one's the shit, too. I haven't been checking that shit out. No way. I don't think you need to, man. You got penis envy. It's gonna be Big better. That, that's gonna be better than any movie you're gonna watch. Is what hey, I'm. That's what I'm gathering from this. Hey, listen. Um, I happen to believe that you're correct. It's gonna be some really movie shit going on in a few minutes. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but okay. Yeah, man. It's all beautiful, baby. It's just beautiful. Life is all love. I'm in. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in. Tell us about your mother and your father. Where they come from, man? Who are you, man? Where you descend from? Where did your from parents come from? Midwest. All of them, yeah. When they move up to Boston. Vietnam War. Really? Yeah. My dad was in the Navy and he got transferred. He thought he was going to Vietnam, but he was really good at what he did. So he worked at a head and neck team that worked on wounded vets from um, Vietnam. And he got stationed at a place that doesn't exist Do you anymore. You know about his family? No. You never met any of them? No, I met him, but he doesn't talk much about that. Ain't but that uh, yeah, but no, but yeah, that's how it was back then. So it was Chelsea Naval Hospital where uh, he got stationed. So that's what brought them from the Midwest to uh, Massachusetts, which was ridiculous. How it worked out for me. Because then I ended up growing up in what I think is some of the funniest fucking people in the world. In Massachusetts, everybody is just, and just New England in general, right down, all the way down to like New York and everything. I don't know what it is, but there's just, I think it was all jam-packed together and we didn't have the ability to have conversations like this. So everybody just reacted and it was just hilarious. So the Vietnam War brought my family tree to Massachusetts, and then all of these guys, Lenny Clark, Tony V, um, all of these guys, Sweeney, Gavin, and all these guys created this stand-up scene. And um, through all of their hard work, I ended up just being at the right place. You know what I mean? It would be like... Yeah, I do. It would be like, um, I would say, if you wanted to be a rapper and you were lucky enough to grow up in New York at one point, when that was the place, not... I don't know shit about hip-hop. I don't know. You know, it always seems like it's Atlanta and bounces around. But if you were there at the right time um, and you just sort of get absorbed into that scene. Yeah, it was... My life has really just been a series of ridiculously lucky things happening. But you had to be prepared for those, that luck, those moments. I was, told, I was told this. You know that. I mean, I don't know, dude. I don't you know. You know this one? You know this one? The harder you work, the luckier you get. There you go. That's what I was always, always told to my teachers. The harder you work, the luckier you get. People did a lot of work to create the scene before I even knew I even wanted to do it. So, but yeah, I, I definitely think that. 
I would agree had, with that. But you said. had to be called to the scene, though. All this is, you don't think you navigated yourself here, do you? You don't, uh, you don't think? This, no, I fell into it. Uh, oh, you fell into it? Just, yeah, you, sort of, you, I you, sort of talked you, about you it. You fell into it. You fell into it. You, you were smart enough to create this, to fall into this. I don't know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that, like, I, through dumb luck, because of a fucking war that ripped this country apart, a plus side was that my family moved to Massachusetts and when I decided to become a comedian, I got to be in one of the greatest comedy scenes ever, the Boston comedy scene, and seeing these guys, Kevin Knox, rest his soul, and all these amazing guys. Excuse me. And then also what I loved about Boston was what they considered an okay set. I found in a lot of other s- scenes that that was considered killing. And I remember when I, when I, would, when I was bouncing around doing the road, and guys would say I was killing I was thinking, like, that's not killing. Kevin Knox at Nick's Comedy Stop. That's f- when that guy was on stage, it sounded like there was a jet landing. When do you feel that you're killing? When did that come about? That I actually killed. It that, took you like, feel, that you felt that you killed. Like eight years in? Yeah. Eight years in, it took me eight years to not have, be moving around for no reason. Why you never quit? Well, that's that classic stand-up thing where they say if you're really going to be a comedian is the thought of quitting never enters your mind because that's what a normal person would do if you go on stage in front of a bunch of people and eat your balls it's the most it's fucking humiliating well you know that's what i think about that in life what's that the thought of quitting is not even thought of yeah you know something i don't like about commenters on boxing videos I hate when there's a great fighter that for some reason, like I think a lot of times when someone's a shit-talking great fighter, mm-hmm. people don't like the person and they want him to fail because it, it does something to them that they're thinking like, because secretly they want to be that confident and they exactly. want to be that guy. So then we don't. So then they wait till the end of the fucking fighter's career, you know, when they, when they lose and you see him, oh, I love this, this fucking asshole. He's such a piece of shit. I'm, you yeah. know, I could watch this fight all day. And it's just like, dude, you're talking about yourself. You're not talking about this person that had the balls to get in there. And dealing with the fact that every year you're a year older and, and, and so much of that is, is, you know, with sports is... Some people live their life vicariously through people. Yeah. So sometimes we shouldn't take it personally how they feel. That's how they live their life. That's how their life is focused and stuff. You know, um... We have to be grateful. You have to be grateful, Jeremy and myself, that we can make people, that we can cause people to feel that way. Yeah, I learned probably about 10, 12 years ago, I just stopped giving a shit what people, if they came up and they didn't like me, and they would, you know, they come up to you and they just had to let you know. You know, that person who just has to fucking let you know. They can't just be like, I didn't enjoy that, I'm not going to see him again. No, I need to go up to this guy and be selling my fucking CDs and bullshit. Mm -hmm. The end of the show, (laughs) these people would just come up to me. Not by anything. Uh-huh. They just they stood in line to tell me how much they didn't fucking enjoy me. And uh, I always just, I, after a while, I just started seeing the humor in it. And I would just, I would either, I would agree with them. I'd go, I just would just start fucking with them. I do remember one time, there's a few times I have felt bad. I was, I was in Ireland. I did this show one time. And I was talking about that haircut your wife gets at a certain point where she's sick of dealing with her hair. 
and she gets she like that. Get it, that boy, she gets get that it. that short haircut, and I go. And the next time you're banging a doggy style, you feel like you're fucking your friend Eric. So that was <laughs> <laughs> that was the joke, right? Mm-hmm. I thought it was a harmless joke. So at the end of the show, I'm standing there, you know, glad and doing what I have to do because I I love doing stand up in Ireland. I'm trying to build a following, so doing the meet and greet and. You know, I'm signing shit or whatever, and I look up, and there's this woman, Irish chick, and she's got this short haircut, and she just looks at me, and she just goes, right. was this the haircut you were talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know what to say. I was like, no, no, yours look good. I, I hate that I didn't say, like, that is exactly the fucking haircut I was talking about. I just felt bad because... I could tell I hurt her feelings. Because as much as I'm a dick, I don't want people to feel that way. I want you to laugh at yourself. If I'm doing that, I would like you to... I mean, look at me. I'm a, I fucking got an orange beard and a bald head. I mean, you, you're going to let me get under your skin? What makes you feel that you have to be a comedian? Um, I just... It's how I connected with people. I made people laugh. No, who did you see that oh. made you believe you had to be a comedian? Oh, uh, Pryor. Really? Mm-hmm. I remember buying my first Pryor album. I had no idea who he was. He just looked funny. And then I listened. That was a blew your mind when he. Uh, yeah, and what I loved about him. My family used to buy that shit. Yeah. So what I loved about him was his bits were like movies. And he could do all the characters and like all of his classic bits. I have a vivid picture of what the person looks like. Like the, the, the crap game. Mm. The girl with the big ass going, kiss my ass, motherfucker. Like, I know what she looks like, how she's dressed and all of that. And what the club looked like. Ain't no goddamn Hank. I know what the door guy looks like. The way he did it. And I've always loved any performer that can bring me into a world that I've never seen and and sort of make me uh, see it. And it was why I liked Biggie. Uh, When Patrice got that first Biggie Smalls album and... I loved because I felt like I was watching a movie when I was listening to it. And um, so I think that, yeah. So the, getting back to it, that was why Pryor was sort of the guy. And then I bought the Eddie Murphy one, the one where he had the rose behind his ear. And I literally bought that because I was like, well, this is another black guy. That black guy was funny. He must be funny too. Like literally that's what I just thought. And I just bought that one. And then I, then I think I got a George Carlin, that Toledo window box and I was like, who's this guy? And his style was completely different from those guys. Where do you get the confidence to believe that you can do this? Um, I'd be honest with you, it was just something I knew I could do. Everything else I had tried at that point, I, just, I, I, could, be, I could only be good at it. And I would always be watching other people really just trying to do what they did. And comedy was the only thing that I, as much as I learned from people, I kind of knew that... In this weird way, I kind of knew, already knew what I was doing in a way. I knew that there was a... When you bombed and had um, not such successful nights, then you oh, felt that brutal. you lost. When I still had a day job, and there would be like eight days between shows, and if on the last one you bombed, I mean, that fucking set would just be going in a loop in my head when I was at work. And uh, I remember one time, oh, God, I bombed so fucking bad was hosting a show, which is the worst. Because if, you, if you're just doing a spot, you bomb and it's over. But if you're hosting, you got to keep going back up and bomb. And they already have lost 
faith in you. It was like, oh, fuck this guy again, right? It was just one of these shows where it just wasn't a good show. Nobody really got him. And I walked out into the park and I was trying to run because I didn't want to hear anybody talking about the show. And I got out to the parking lot as quick as I could. And there was a couple and they were talking about the show and I knew I shouldn't have listened. And I just heard the woman go, is it usually like that? And the guy's like, no, it's usually funny. They usually have good shows. And he goes, man, that redheaded kid sucked. <laughs> and I didn't have another show for like a week. And I'm at work. And I just had that playing on a loop. Man, that redheaded kid sucked. Man, that redheaded kid sucked. And I was fucking up at work. And I didn't tell anybody that I was doing stand-up because I, I didn't want them. I didn't let anybody I know, my closest friends, I didn't tell anybody that I was doing it. Doesn't that inspire you? For to like work two harder? years because I didn't want them. It was so much pressure to just do it in front of people I didn't know. I couldn't imagine somebody I know in the fucking crowd. And one time, somebody from work, I finally told him, he came out to the show. Of course, they sat the fucking dude right in the front row, and I fucking ate it. And the whole weekend, I had to think about, I'm going to see that guy on Monday, and what's he going to say? And when I saw him, I realized his weekend... That's not yawn, that's a mushroom. That's all right, I'm boring. His, his, um, his weekend was worse than mine. Because he had to sit there going, what in the fuck am I going to say? And he came walking. And I said, hey, sorry about that. He didn't even look at me. He goes, yeah, I mean, you, you just didn't seem like you were into it. You didn't seem like you wanted to be up there. <laughs> fucking walked by me. And it was weird for like three days. We'd be talking about games and shit. And you could see it in our eyes. We were both thinking about how I bombed. Doesn't that inspire you to work harder and come back and crush? To kind of end that endless loop? No, hey. it made me want to quit the job so I didn't have to keep fucking looking at the guy. Um, but no, I just I, I knew enough at that point that it was just like, man, he just came on the wrong night because there was enough good shit happening to keep you coming back. Yeah. So thank God. Yeah. We, just during this whole interview, you don't want to show no feelings. You don't want to show and say, "Fuck, I feel like I bombed out." You control your feeling. You don't want to show anything, huh? What do you want me to start breaking down, crying that I bombed? Fuck it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, you missed the ice cold over there. I just think we're on a different wavelength right now. We're still no. vibing. But you say, if I took those mushrooms right now, would I be like crying? Possibly, yeah. Uh, you ever been challenged to a fight? Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. I walked away. Okay. I, 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 st I fought until junior high. And then everybody hit puberty, and I didn't. And then that's when I got funny, because that's when, like, teeth started getting knocked out, and people got all bloody and shit. And it was just like, it's my thing of the bar fights, if you're the guy that goes down to the ground when all of that shit was going down, I was just like, no. I, I avoided that shit. I had other people that I hung out with that did that shit. And uh, I was, you know, I'll be honest with you, I was envious of it. Now, what's the difference between black and white girls? Um, there is no difference until you walk down the street. Why that? Because the people are racist. If you walk down the street with a white girl, they don't even see you. You walk down the street with a black girl, people see you. White people act like they're cool with it. Um, black people are a little more uninhibited. <laughs> <laughs> I remember in New York, they would just be like, they would literally just start yelling at my, my girl, just going like, oh, come on, man, really? She's pointing at me like I wasn't even there. But other than that, when you're in the fucking house, it's the same fights. You don't take yeah. me anywhere. It's a woman, and you're a guy. Yeah. There, there really Jealousy is. Jealousy, old. And oh. I'll, yeah, and, and, and 
Yeah, and that's, I really learned like what the bullshit of racism, what it is, and how beautiful my kids are. My kids are fucking beautiful, and and like so, I feel like I have the answer to all of this racist bullshit out there. And all you have to do is look at my kids, and then look at the royal family, who've all been fucking in the same pond of white people, and how fucked up they all look. We're supposed to be all banging each other. Yeah, but everybody's people are people. And we're all God's children. And we all need to be looked at with compassion. All right, well, I think you got a little mushroom tinge on that. But <laughs> no, mushrooms. I mean, the fact that you're looking at the royal family going, well, you know, people are people. And yeah. <laughs> sometimes you got to oppress another country so you get all the gold. That's what people do. Well, we do it in a small matter here. You think that you do the same shit as the royal family? I don't even know what the fuck they do. I just know. No, that you seem like that. you know. You know what they do. Tell me what That's you know. part of my shit. I act like I know what I'm talking about. And then, then there's one follow-up uh, question, and it all falls to the ground. I don't know anything about them. I was trying to make a joke, and then you got all philosophical, and I didn't know what to do with it. I just think life is like that. Even to the um, to the smallest family, our life is like um, the royal family. Everybody has the court, their friends. Everybody's the established power in that friendship. That's just how the world functions, you know? It's, right. it's some, some kind of law, some kind of order, I mean, subconscious order. Like right now, this, subconscious Where's order. Do you think a white woman would have made that red-headed prince leave the royal family? Excuse me? Do you think if that red-headed dude got with a white girl, is he still in the royal family? He would do whatever he believed was right, whatever his... Body told him love was. He would have been in the situation he is now with this black girl. This is not the first time the black blood's been in their family. You know these guys conquered conquered the world. They had every, they have every bloodline in their in their in their family tree. You think you think this girl right here? You think she's the first black bloodline? There's been black queens in the royal family in England. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, you need to know that. I told you I didn't know anything about it. I was making a joke. Yeah. And she also claims that the intensity uh, of the press, she hadn't anticipated. That was a variable within it all, which I don't know how you wouldn't know going into the royal Who's family. Can I be honest, with you? Be be honest with you? I don't know shit about the okay. family. Okay. I'm just fucking around. <laughs> okay. This became all of a sudden meet the press about the fucking <laughs> royal family. I... I, I Mike, what do you think about YouTubers coming in and fighting? I think that's great for boxing. I think it brings um, a different and it broadens the horizons of other boxing fans that would never okay. be boxing fans before. Expands the reach. But you, you have no problem with someone who has no background in boxing fighting a professional. Listen, um, he's been fighting, so he has a background in boxing. If he's been doing it for one year, he's had the background. Five months, he has the background of it. You know, he's um, this is what he wants to do. He has what fighters have. He has determination, willpower, you know what I mean, and grit. And that's what he wants. And I don't care who you're rich or poor, that's what you need to succeed in this business. That's the that's the seller. He's a blonde hair, blonde, blonde hair, blue-eyed white kid, and we're going to kill him. And that's what he sells. He sells violence to be able to beat some blonde hair, blue eyed motherfucking crush. Even even white people, they just want to crush him. They just look at his face and they want to fucking break it. 
Isn't that something? He's so special to have that. People think that that's fucking bad news. He's so special to have that. That so many people want to kick his ass. He he could fucking make a fortune out of it. Mm. And he's smart too. That's a gift. You know, it's a fucking gift. He got. He's so lucky. Have that gift. It's the gift that somebody wants to kick your ass. Isn't that something to have that face? How much when you would promote a fight, like? Because you're selling the fight. Uh, yeah. It's a business. You want people to watch. Absolutely. So with you, though, you had the, the, like, every fight was just amazing. So you had that. But, like, when you were hyping a fight, like, how much of that is real and how much of that? It's all real till after the fight. Then it's, yeah, then it's all, like, over. Hey, and did anybody ever say something about you? Before a fight that, it, and even though you're sitting there as a professional going, okay, this guy's selling this fight, but he crossed the line and I can't let that go. No, I was always crossing the line. But, um, I mean, one time Larry Holmes put his hand on and didn't shake his hand. You know, I was that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, used, um, I was really dark. Right. Because I was insecure. Oh, he so, didn't shake your hand after? No, I, I wouldn't shake his hand. Fighters were going, I wouldn't shake their hand. But, like, afterwards it was fine. Afterwards it was fine. But during that process of uh, making the fight, during, no no emotion, no friendship, no. What about the press conference with Lennox Lewis? What about it? That was heavy. I'm a heavy dude sometimes. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you know, no. Very intense and passionate. Dude, what are you thinking? Like, you never thought, like, as you're walking down to the ring, like, what the fuck? How, how, do, how did I end up doing this? On the contrary, I believe that I was, when I'm walking in the ring, I believe I'm born to do this. I'm the purpose. That's the difference. I believe, right there. I believe awesome. that the purpose fighting was ever created was because of me. That's amazing. Because <laughs> I would be thinking, like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> no, it's like going to stay for the biggest night. Um, it's going to be like 60,000 or something coming to see you. Not that they're there. Nothing to, is like what you guys you. do. Because they do that a lot with comedians. They'd be like, you know, before it was special, he trained like a fighter. It's like, no, he didn't. You didn't. It's like these guys can get Same serious. If no. You can get seriously fucking hurt. You can die. Oh, hey, listen, like the worst no. that's going to happen to me is I'll have flop sweat, dry mouth, and someone will say that redheaded kid sucked. I mean, that was the worst that can happen to you. But when you're like walking into like a gladiator into a ring, like, all right, so really, I'm just keeping it real, right? From the desire of just somebody wanting to be something special, a comedian feeling is the equivalent of being not cold. A real comedian. No, I actually get what you're saying. You, you, you relate everything. With emotions. Yeah. I don't know. I still, you know what blows my mind when I watch like UFC and there'll be a guy on the ground and the guys, the other guys, just dropping elbows. Like one elbow, I'm like, yeah. I'm tapping. This guy's just taking elbows, and you'll see the guy look over at the clock, and be like, "All right, 30 more seconds of this," and then I gotta go sit on that fucking stool. They're gonna take that cold thing or whatever, and then I have to continue doing this. The fact that they can, a human being, is tough enough to do that. Like that. Whenever I watch uh, those UFCs, or I watch a. Uh, um, one of my favorite fights, Charlie Murphy, late great Charlie Murphy, told me about this fight, that Corrales-Castillo fight. Yeah, it was awesome. Oh, how many times Corrales went down and he was spitting out the mouthpiece trying to give himself some time, 
And I remember he went into the corner, and his corner man goes, you better fucking get inside now. I don't even know what that means. And then he went out, and he fucking knocked the other guy out. Uh, Charlie told me, he said he woke up his whole family watching that. They were all asleep. <laughs> he fucking like, screamed. It was like, it was like a rocky well, Charlie fight. come from a fighting family, though. Yeah, Charlie was no joke. You no, know, but I'm talking about his father. His father. Yeah. yeah, he's come from a fighting family. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was the best. He's another... He's another one. You know, I, I went and I got a pizza the other day, and the woman behind the counter had a sweatshirt on that says, Assholes Live Forever. And I was just like, I hate to tell you this because you're young. That is the truest fucking thing I've read in a long time. Because I know so many great guys, and they're just gone. And fucking assholes. <laughs> you some people don't you can't think kill them. Believe it or not, some people don't think they're assholes. And that's another life that takes on to itself. I would argue that that actually makes that's what makes you an asshole. Because really? if somebody's an asshole and they know they're an asshole, eventually the apology's coming. But when they don't, not even aware that they're an asshole, those are the people that I see that just seem to fucking, you know, you could end up with an eighteen wheeler and they're somehow going to crawl out of it. I had an airbag. I know that I used to be that way as well, but I don't let people affect me as much as I used to. Because now I realize if they do, they own me. You know. Well, you did the work. Oh, absolutely. You did the mental work. All right. Well, I got to work on that, I guess. Well, you will love that part of life. That's going to be when, when you can forgive yourself. That's, ooh, that's beautiful. That's life lifting when you can forgive yourself. Yeah. Surrender. Yeah. Stop beating yourself up. Hey, when can I do this podcast again? <laughs> you can do it forever, man. This, this is a twenty-four hour podcast. So it's gonna, like, <laughs> should we wrap this up, Mike? If you want to, we can keep you forever. With. I'm trying to think of a world yeah. where my we like you. Goes, we I'm like going to take the kids back east to be with the family. And you I'm play like, through. You know what? I'm going to hang. I'm going to do Mike's podcast, and I'm going to take some shrooms. You would really need shrooms then if your wife left you. You would really need shrooms. No, no, she just went back east oh. in that scenario. She didn't leave me. She didn't leave me, no. Too cold right now to be going back east, huh? I don't want another um, winter night. I don't ever want to live another winter night. Like New York City or nothing. I don't want to do that no more. Oh, you you live out here permanently? Las Vegas. Las Vegas is colder than New York right now. Yeah, we're Sherlin in Vegas at night. Here too. When you, you love that cigar, right? Gig? So what's that cigar make y'all feel like? You feel like you're really cool. You're talking skit shit. And this is, I'm sorry, you're talking. Cigar, no, this is the only shit. thing I got left. No, you're talking comedian shit right now. So when your next gig, no, I'm sorry, no, listen, hey, people, listen. <laughs> Go ahead, <laughs> ask me. I, the pressure is on. Yeah. I'm going to the Palm Beach Improv, and and yeah. that's gonna really, yeah, Palm nice. Beach Improv. I'm excited. Nice. I'm very excited. Yeah, man, it was interesting. You guys were talking about assholes, and I played an asshole for years, and one of the best ways to play a guy that you're talking about is there's certain guys, the way to play them is thinking that no one is the devil in their own story. So you can't judge one of you know this from playing guys. You can't judge you your character. You a little more experience in acting. I'm new to acting, so, yeah, I'm, I'm listening. This is riveting. Well, you don't, you can't judge your characters. You don't have the same ideology as that character. You can't judge it. You embrace it. You give them as much integrity as you possibly can, because no one is the devil in their own story. And then, so who, who's the hardest guy you you ever had to play? Like you're looking at the script, and you're like, how do I? 
play this guy? I, I, I recently was working on, on this role where I was going to play an Israeli dude who's a, kind of a gangster. And I remember I, I went to the, the dialect coach and I said, um, you know, I really need to work on this. And she said, well, why don't you audition by sending me, you know, you doing the Israeli accent? So I ended up doing it. It's a beautiful accent. It's, a, it's an incredible accent. And that was, th- you know, you throw yourself into it and it's beautiful. I got to learn how to do that because everybody gives me shit. Like when they watch the Star Wars thing, they'll be like, yeah. I never heard a Boston accent in outer space. And then I always want to say, well, what about <laughs> English? Don't you think it's fucking weird that you're in a galaxy far, far away and everybody's speaking English? That That's wouldn't right. blow your mind if you went to another planet. And somebody just said, hey, Mike, what's up? Not Mike, what's up, but yes, understand. Like, yeah, like you understand you? what they're That's talking the about. Yeah, you? Chewbacca That's speaking Bigfoot and Han Solo speaking English. Right. They never switch languages. And they totally understand each other. They had to bust your balls. They felt like they had to. My buddy said the funniest thing. He goes, oh, that's where, that, that's where it lost you? <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. where the reality of it. So, yeah. But I can't thank those guys enough. Um, it was John Favreau's idea. He was just going, no. He goes, I think, I th- I really, I think it's going to work. And I was like, all right, okay, I'll do it. I remember the first day I got there, all these people I was, work, well, I was working with were in like this crazy makeup uh, like looking like aliens and shit and I just remember thinking like how am I going to get into the reality of this this is fucking nuts but the, they were so good after the first take I was like oh my god I'm getting killed in this like I, I gotta and then after that you kind of forgot that they were wearing costumes and in between takes you're talking about global warming and shit and the fucking <laughs> space stuff and you just forgot it. Um, it was truly one of the great experiences I've had in this business, getting to do something like that. And, uh, and then the fact that like, people watched it and really liked it, it was, yeah, it was as much as last year was tough, it, like, people saying that they liked it was, a, was definitely a high point so you think you of my do, year. Um, some acting? What's that? You want to do some acting now? Yeah, like, I want to do, uh, this is the weirdest thing. I want to learn to speak French, and I want to be in a French gangster movie. Then you should do it. Well, yeah, I got to learn how to speak French first, but. You, if you want to, you will. Mm-hmm. I got the guy for you. Vincent Cassell. You know who Vincent Cassell is? No. He's one of the, probably, in my opinion, the best actor over in France. Plays a lot of gangsters brilliantly. Well, I started he watching. Got you. Whatever you want is right there. You this guy's got the work. connection. <laughs> right there, dude. You guys will get along. He's a good guy. Right. Uh-huh. Anything you want, dude. You got to see a movie he did called Irreversible. Irreversible. Yeah. It's heavy. Heavy, heavy, heavy. I've been watching that show, uh, Call My Agent. It's like a, it's a French yeah. thing, and it's, but it's like, it's, um, you know, it's just around the office, so it's really like sort of common language. So what I have the subtitles in French, and I just keep hitting pause, trying to, like, figure out what they're saying. And sh- I mean, the comedy doesn't work because it, it goes by too quick. But My wife hates that. I love um, to read. Yeah, there's people who won't do that. Like, I just want to watch a movie. That. I don't want to sit here reading. My thing is I, I'm really bad at reading, so I, it always goes by. That's how I learned how to read, by reading subtitles and stuff. I get anxiety. Like, when, when I would go to the movies and there was, like, subtitles, like, it would take me back to being in high school and just flunking everything. 
and the shit would always go by too quick, and I'd have to ask my wife, well, what did they say? <laughs> She'd be hitting me going, shut up, because my wife can read really fast. But it's cool seeing that people in other cultures like that and, and being able to immerse yourself in that. Yeah, I've been watching the Criterion channel. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> it's fucking go. amazing. I think what's going to happen is we're going to continue talking, and we're going to look up, and everyone's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. You ever get that feeling? Some like people we will have outlast gone an audience? already. Some people have already went home, man. All right. Well, this has been cool, man. This has been amazing, this is right, great. Mike? Two Cuban cigars. Hell fucking yeah, man. I have a whole new perspective on mushrooms. Like, <laughs> I mean that in a good way. I'm not being an no, asshole. Not, I'm, I'm yeah, like, of course you're not being an asshole. I would never think of you as an asshole. Oh, all right. But you are truly welcome back anytime. Isn't that right, anytime. Mike? Hey, when does this come out so my wife doesn't think I just went to a oh, cigar no, we're not, bar? We're not filming anything. <laughs> This has not been documented. You didn't do a fucking podcast. No, you went and hung a, out with your friends. This isn't <laughs> a podcast. Bro, this is nothing. We're just hanging out. These, these aren't even on. Like, hey, I said no to mushrooms 15 times. All right? I was working. <laughs> it's documented. I was working. It's got a character. Mushrooms is going to get Listen, you. I got to tell you, it's, it, it's an honor to meet you. Thank you so much for all the stuff that I've watched for decades. The stuff that you've done. I still watch all of your stuff. Thank you, bro. Follow you on Instagram and all that. You're, you're, Thank you. And watching you evolve and all that has been amazing. Jeremy, you're all right, man. Thank you, brother. <laughs> you see that? I'm fucking with you. <laughs> yes, you're all right. I love you. I love you. I love you. Thanks for having me on.